So. So. So, welcome. Thank welcome. And uh, nice to meet you. Sorry, I mean, I, I don't think I even caught your name. We met on the stairs and then we introduced, but then I did that thing where I introduced myself and then forget your name. <laughs> What's your name? My name's Ian. Ian? Yeah, Ian, yeah. Most people call me Wainaina, Wines, but Ian's my first name, Ian Wainaina. Wainaina? Wainaina is your last name? Right. That's a cool last that name. That is a very cool last name. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and where are you from, Ian? So I grew up in Kenya, grew up in a small town in the middle of Kenya, lived there for first 18 years of my life, and then I moved to the US for my bachelor's degree, lived there for five years, and then I moved to Berlin. So where I'm from, I guess, Kenya, mostly, and just here and there. Nice. And then why did you choose to move to Berlin after the States? Because I'd imagine if you studied in the States, there are a lot of opportunities there, right? So I mean, like to switch across. Yeah, so me leaving the States was kind of beyond my control. It just had to do with immigration stuff. I um, they have what's called the H-1B visa. So if mm -hmm. you study there and then you finish your school, you get one year of like OPT, which is like op optional practical training. You can get a job. But then after that one year lapses, you need like an employer who would sponsor your work yep. visa. Okay. It's some mm -hmm. sort of lottery thing. So long story short, um, as much as I would have wanted to like keep staying in New York, I wasn't able to. I was in New York. Um, yeah. During they, don't, they don't make it very easy for freelancers to, to get visas, right? No, no. So I studied economics actually for my bachelor's. So my first career out of college was like business development And so that was the kind of roles I was looking at in, in New York, mm -hmm. the kind of roles I, I did. As much as I was also doing my kind of creative, creative stuff on the side, that wasn't really my main thing. And I didn't really consider that my main identity till mm -hmm. I kind of moved to Berlin. And being in Berlin, I guess, allowed me to, to visualize that. But sorry, I didn't answer how I got to Berlin. Mm -hmm. So when I was doing my undergrad, I did a semester abroad in France. And during that time, I got to visit a few European cities. Berlin was one of them. I was here for 10 days. And I really loved Berlin, just the like artistic scene. And I've always been into electronic music. So being here, being able to... I'd heard a lot about Berlin's scene, but being in the city and actually being able to witness that made it so much easier for me to plan my next move after New York. I was like, maybe let's see what... Berlin has to say so. yeah mm. I mean I think a lot of people come to Berlin and then are so I mean inspired is not a I feel like almost inspired it's like a cheap word at this point yeah. but like you know like the city has so much to offer and really kind like of sets act your it mind activates up. them like a yeah, lot of people come exactly. here for a little tiny trip I mean we just had somebody on the podcast Joanna say the same thing she was here for a few thing? weeks or a few days yeah and um fell in love with the city and then they're like cool I'll come back Is this clean okay. for him? Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. I mean, especially if you already love electronic music. Yeah, 100%. Mm. What kind of electronic music? Like house, techno, drum and bass? Or I'm more, yeah, I'm, I love the drums, bassy, more like mm. left field style. Okay, yeah, like the, what they call bass music here kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. A lot of like UK inspired stuff. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. find a lot of that scene here? Because I feel like... On and off, scares. on and off. I think there's there's places where I know I will be able to, I guess, depending on who's organizing the events. Mm -hmm. um, like, I love, say, kilowatt events. Okay. Um, mm. 
It's like very POC centered and also just very left field. I also work a lot with this record label in my like creative stuff. I call Nyege Nyege. Yeah. Uh, I know that, yeah. Yeah, from Uganda. And um, I'd been to the festival a few times back home and working with them here as well exposes me to a lot more like underground, like African electronic mm. music, which does not necessarily conform with, or does not necessarily fit into, say, what techno, like house. Yeah, it's yeah, of course. Mm. Experimentation is, yeah, I think I love that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And when you say you work with them, how do you work, like what kind of work do you do with them? Um, so a lot of the artists will come here to play, um, say shoot concerts or even get mm. like photos for like their artists' albums. Um, I recently did... Um, shoot MC Ella, who's one of the like artists for Crack Magazine. So nice. that kind of work, um, yeah, mainly just okay. documenting what the artists are doing, and yeah, mm. nice. And what do you? Because I was looking at your pictures, you do both analog and digital, right? Mostly, mostly analog. Um, I do digital as well, but I love I love analog. Mm-hmm. And how did that start up? Like, how did you get into that career path in Berlin? How did you become a photographer? In yeah, because I mean, if you, if you studied um, economics, you know, and then I'd imagine that you enjoyed photography on the side, and you know, but because I also come from a similar background, right? When you, because I think the Caribbean and uh, the African countries have a lot in in common, at mm-hmm. least uh, culturally, um, if we look at traditional values, or, or, or you know, so I'd imagine that economics was always the the right choice you know the intelligent choice and the the real career Mm -hmm. you know and then you had a passion on the side right 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 yeah so i grew up in a very like academic household like my parents professionally both teachers um but my dad was into photography so he always kind of documented the family and then we had these like family albums that would look at like christmas eve only like every year and when I moved to the U.S., I um, got my first camera. Like this was my actual like own one, and primarily I wanted to use it like just to document my life in this new place. You know, send my family photos of like stuff I'd taken. And so this was 2015 August when I got my first. It was like a Sony A6000. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, it was like a pretty good camera. Mm. So yeah, when I was considering buying, yeah. So I used that for a bit just basically documenting over like a year to got into more just knowing the camera more and just getting more into photography I then kind of began finding my own direction then I got into analog through just social media I just began seeing all these um, YouTubers talking about film all these like Instagram people talking about film and I decided to give it a shot so I got my first um, analog camera which was a Canon A1 program and got my first film watched like a lot of videos on how to like develop your film yourself and I basically used to do it in the bathroom of the house I used to stay in um, and slowly by slowly I just really got into analog kind of neglected my digital for for a while I just love the experiment again back to you know experimentation with analog it's very hard to say, predict what you're going to get. Also, just using my hands. 
I don't know. It's just analog just has mm. something to it. I know what you I mean, really, like really using like your hands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel the same thing about vinyl too. When you say that you touch it, you know, mm. you, you feel like you're working more on it. Mm. Also, but I feel like the post-production, I don't know, it just feels a lot more natural what you can do in post-production with analog than tweaking a bunch of, you know, digital files. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering, because I have the same, like I'm doing like events and stuff. and But looking at the kind of pictures that actually excite me, uh usually analog photography mm-hmm. and um but then it's like if because you also do event analog photography right yeah so when i'm doing events and i consider events kind of separate from like my artistic okay. practice i think events are more of like the freelance stuff i do for, yeah. for money when i'm doing events i'll, I'll usually do a mix of both because it mm-hmm. just doesn't like, yeah because i was gonna sense. say you're gonna and take, you don't like, want to take the risk i imagine <laughs> right also right, right. because if you do analog and then you i don't know you make a mistake and then you realize yeah. you've botched like half the shots you've yeah. taken and you're being paid for this you're job nothing. you know what i mean 100 percent. so yeah for events yeah from a financial point of view and also what you're saying just the room for error i'll, I'll usually do both mm-hmm. and as much as i'll use you know selections from both digital and analog in like the final um selection i found most of my clients will even without knowing what's what will end up gravitating towards the analog shots mm. so that's that's very interesting to see mm. yeah. do you think nowadays because i feel like analog is being on all like in all on all mediums like i feel like analog is being pushed nowadays or it's coming back or making a a cheesy revival mm. almost well, i almost feel I mean? like it's also like a counterculture to like the extreme digitalization of everything and this whole debate about ai taking over and like mm. photography is going to die or the job the role of a photographer will no longer exist because of ai but then there's this counterculture of like photography that captures realness mm-hmm. and analog is a big part of that i'm thinking i mean you're right i think mm. I'm thinking like the TikTok era of yeah. because if you search because <laughs> if you search records or you look up records right online like even mm-hmm. on social media um there are a lot of accounts that just post records that they, they find right um and it's cool and records but these are usually older people who um have been doing this since records was the only thing mm-hmm. right um but then the younger generation is coming along and what you have is cheaper um i don't know what's it i mean players you know because they're not really i mean i guess they're turntables but they're like more meant as a, a statement piece mm-hmm. for your living room that also plays records it's not very good quality but it's super expensive i mean they're all expensive but i mean mm-hmm. it's just you know it's not really like a turntable it's more like about having the records to show people when yeah. they come over and it's a less player. about the it's a record player but, but the whole the notion of having records and playing records is more about the i want to say hype yeah about it and then if you look at like the younger people online who have their records they're more like i don't know it's not records from the 90s that they're pulling up you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's i don't know uh uh like kendrick's album on mm-hmm. wax you know what i mean but it's i don't know there's a i don't i mean i don't want to knock it because it because i'm happy that that they're getting into it or whatever but you know what i mean right and i feel like photography is the same thing yeah. too because now they have like the disposable i had a disposable it's like camera the, it's on my like birthday the, um, the instax the, the polaroid coming back as instax and exactly exactly the little fade after a few months anyways exactly yeah. and then you you have that and you have that culture now where it's like oh it's cool now to take polaroids and then yeah, people are taking cool the polaroids cool. and then taking pictures of the po- i mean i just did it on my instagram you know what i mean yeah no like, shade i mean we do it too yeah yeah that's what i'm saying but like do you do you <laughs> how do you feel about it do you feel like that, that yeah yeah i mean i think 
personally for me, right, what got me into like analog photography, right, I can only speak for myself, mm-hmm. yeah, was I wouldn't lie, yeah, social media and then there was all this like aesthetic that analog just has, you know, more mm-hmm. saturated colors, just like kind of grain. Um, so that's what got me to do it first. And then once I began experimenting more and like just learning about it more, it became more than just the hype. It became the process. It became, there's also nostalgic elements. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who've grown up with, in, in this era where their parents took photos of them with yeah. like analog cameras. Yeah, photo like, albums, like actual albums, albums right. physical yeah. albums. But I started to do right. that. Yeah, yeah. I started doing my prints and like, <coughs> getting albums because I'm like, I want my kids to flip through my old albums when, when they're my age, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's that like tactile, tactility mm-hmm. yeah. of it that it's like, it's it's a physical medium. It's not something that lives on like your phone in in pixels, mm-hmm. and so the hype was what got me on. But the more and more I did it, the more I discovered all these things about why I loved analog, and that's what kind of kept kept me. Mm-hmm. Going. The process, the process is right. what like kept you captivated. Mm-hmm. The cameras mm-hmm. as well, you know, just the, the ASMR type mm-hmm. things. Like all these cameras have like the little like quirks and yeah. So. I, there's there's a lot I could like say about analog, but yeah, you know? no, I, I lived with a, <clears throat> one of my first uh, friends in Berlin, uh, photographer from Honduras. Uh, shout out to Poncho, and he had uh, uh, like an actual. I don't even know what it's called when it prints out the. It's because mm-hmm. it's not an Instax, the, the you know. I think it. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, it, yeah. it prints out the photo immediately, yeah. right? Is but it, he had one. It, what's his name? Straight from. What was whose name? Oh, you're talking about the Polaroid land camera? Yeah, Polaroid, yeah. Polaroid. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just no, mean Polaroid not... camera. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like the old, old ink ones. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, Polaroid camera. Sorry, the name slipped me, but mm-hmm. yeah. And he had one from, I don't know, eighties. I don't know when. You know what I mean? But he had like the OG ones, like no color, just black and white. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. And it was so good because it was so big and chunky, but it was like real. And I mean... Arthur mm-hmm. is a man, I mean, he's a photographer, he's an artist through and through, mm-hmm. I'd always say, you know, I couldn't even imagine him doing anything outside the realm mm-hmm. of art, you know, he just yeah. got a day job and I'm like, him. I just imagine him sitting down <laughs> in his office, just like, like being lost. Picasso in a cafe. Yeah. Just. Yeah, exactly, just like being lost on like email and like <laughs> not knowing what to do kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I was around him and he always like had these devices and he always used to... Um, yeah, we used to speak about a lot because I studied film when I came to Berlin, right? Mm-hmm. And when I came to Berlin, I studied film. And, and I think that I too always had a photography around me. And even though I think that music is, is my main focus, um, photography has always been something that um, inspired me. And, and I, I took it on as a hobby. And, 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 and I didn't really do film for my thesis. I did photography. Um, and I see it as another... Um, medium that I can express myself through but it's a little less pressure because it's not like my main mm-hmm. objective you know I think that's good because I think when you, yeah, you're trying to do out. what your objective is then there's a lot more on it you yeah. know what I mean um, but he always had these devices and he would talk about you know and we'd go and you know and, and they're so big and you hear all the noises and how it all you know and it sounds like it's a like a, a machine if you want to yeah. say it like that you know what I mean and I think that's incredibly interesting mm. do you agree with the um the notion of because i was having this debate the other day with um a friend of mine who said you can recreate film 
one-to-one digitally nowadays so film is dead and i'm like i don't know i feel like there's something about film that you just can't recreate digitally yeah i think it's impossible to recreate film one-to-one digitally you can Mm -hmm. try and replicate the look but you you can't really replicate like the process right like the Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's the process. The process. It's the process. The the, the tactility. Like with a negative, you can you can have that forever. Mm-hmm. I think with like a digital photo, um, who knows? Like software may move on. And like there's all these like formats from back in the day, digital formats that we can't really like use anymore. For example, if you had like all these digital photos on your like Windows XP, all right. Like how do you view them now when we like when we now like Windows? I don't know what Windows. Vibe I don't even know what Windows is. About yeah. eleven or twelve or something. I think. Yes. The, the are they the, still moving up? I think they are, but just the the obsolescence is. You know, it's a digital image is basically mm. like a combination of it's it's like ones and zeros that then exists like on on a screen, mm. but mm. film is like the physical thing. You can you can store your film for like twenty years, and mm. in twenty five in twenty years, if you want to go and like scan it get it digital or go print it as people used to do back in the day you still could um but yeah i don't think you can fully replicate the experience the look well maybe but mm. the experience which i think is what film mm. differs from digital is very yeah. Like, yeah. impossible to i think replicate. so too because yeah when you're shooting you don't know i mean yeah because now we have screens on everything so mm. you immediately you have immediate feedback on what you just did Whereas, like, I feel like with anything analog, you do not have that immediate mm-hmm. feedback. You are, the, the, your senses are reduced. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it causes you to slow down and, yeah, yeah. and be more intentional. Be more deliberate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What mm-hmm. you shoot in. And then, and then I feel like in a way, that's, I mean, not in a way, then that is more rewarding when the image is yeah. what you wanted or something When it turns beautiful out bomb or, or when, when it, you have those pleasant surprises where you're like... Yeah, oh, and you're like, yeah, and, and I... I um. I bought uh, Wolfgang Tillmann's four books when I was in Paris and I was going through, um, because as I said, um, it's not like a, a main objective of mine. I studied it and then it was kind of like, cool, I did it for my thesis. I thought my pictures were good for my thesis, but um, I kind of want to explore it like slowly, you know? So I thought I'd read this and kind of see how, you know, see what other people do and see how it is. And I'm just going through, and he speaks about, uh, you know, going digital as well, you know what I mean? Mm. And and says that what he does is a mix of digital and analog as well. And uh, he doesn't make a difference in terms of when he has an exhibition, you know, like he says, yeah, it might end up being a lot of analog, but that's just because those images are, you know, what I want mm-hmm. to show, you know? But I think that even he said that there's just something about the the moment Mm-hmm. which is what photography is capturing the moment um that that exists uh, in an analog form differently from digital moments because mm-hmm. i feel like digital moments are a lot uh they're oversaturated yeah i mean no pun intended. like fleeting yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like it's, but there's just so many like it's it's not as individual and it's not as special because you'll take 25 of the same moment and then pick the best version of that moment whereas an analog you really have the raw and I know it's more expensive, right? You can't take 25 <laughs> shots and then pick the best one. It'll be like, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your, um, what's your favorite type of photography, you would say? Ooh. Yo, I don't know, honestly. Mm-hmm. See, I, um, 
I think lately as well, with regards to just what I think of myself, I'm moving more towards, I think of myself more as a visual storyteller as mm-hmm. opposed to photographer. Um, as much as photography is like my main medium and will always be what got me into just visual art, I am moving more into, like, photography is like a very 2D, two-dimensional medium. And lately I really want to explore how photography can be more than just two-dimensional. Like when you go to exhibitions and people are just always showing photography prints, but like I think there's more to to, to, to a photo than just what you can see on a two-dimensional medium. So how do I use photography to tell my story in a better way? Like recently I've been exploring, say, sewing into my photographs, just exploring the materiality of it. And sewing as well adds another dimension. It's like you can touch this and you can feel. So you're not only interacting with like photography on just like these senses that we're used to, like like eyesight. You can also incorporate like touch or moving photography more into like a sculptural medium. So sewing, as yeah. in like needle and thread. Right. And what would you be? Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's very oh, interesting. Wow. I haven't seen that before. Yeah, I mean, and what uh, the material that you use that you would sew into the um, into the photograph, like what what? Yeah, so the photo you just showed is part of this series I'm working on. It's called Words and Said, and each photo I take on like a photo automat, which I think is also a very mm. like Berlin thing. Yeah, Berlin yeah. just has a lot of these photo automats, so it's, it's also paying homage to the fact that it's it's being done in this city. Mm. Yeah, and. Having a Kenyan passport as well, I remember all these like photos I've had to take for for visas, which are always kind of like yeah the photo automat um, like format, mm-hmm. but then you you required to like have a neutral facial expression, no mm-hmm. smiling, no nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of subverting that. Like, how do you introduce that like emotion into these photos? I usually are taken with like no smile, no take off your glasses. So yeah, what's inside is is like that series, and so all of those are taken on the photo automat, and then I'll go home and I'll just decide what to do with them. Like maybe so, the the latest one I did was just a bunch of needles on like a photo, and then yeah, so basically introducing this other dimension to photography that's not like. I think if you if you go to like just just the latest one of of, of posted it's mm-hmm. on just the oh yeah, the top one that one yeah the sick okay maybe we should describe the pictures for yeah, those yeah. who are just uh, so the first picture I saw was a shot of you from the photo automat you know dead with like dead pan just passport picture and face. then you 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 saw a visa face <laughs> visa face and then you sewed uh, this colored strings. threads through your eyes and mouth and then left it hanging and i suppose that this frame is the uh, as in the full frame with the picture being much smaller than the larger frame but leaving the threads like falling throughout you know mm-hmm. this is like the the shot yeah mm-hmm. yeah so I, I i i used a scanner to like, after i saw it i just scanned it and so yeah just also mm-hmm. speaking of just photography and like i think a scanner as well is a is a camera you True. know in, in, yeah. in its own way and yeah, I. I love that using those all those different kinds of like non-conventional types of cameras and yeah, creating a sculpture basically out of different mediums. 
Okay, and then you said go to the latest one. And then the latest one, yeah. You're you're very good at describing. Go ahead. Okay, so the latest one, I would say, is it looks like a traditional picture frame and looks like a portrait shot of you, right? It doesn't look like you're smiling again, visa face again. Mm -hmm. But then this one has spikes coming out. The entire picture just has spikes protruding needles. needles, Sewing needles. Right, protruding from the shot. Mm -hmm. In all dimensions. Out of the shot, but also out of the frame. Yes. And all around the frame. Correct. So what about this one? Tell us about this one. So this one, actually, if you notice, um, there's, I used a light from like a, a bit farther. So mm-hmm. some of the stuff that's protruding out of the need of the frame is like the shadow. Right. Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm and just saying there's not actually needles coming out of the frame. That's just mm, the shadow. It's just the shadows. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was a piece I did just um, feeling overwhelmed. I... Um, just you know, just the pressures of life, and I thought I've been sewing into. I definitely it. felt like this before. <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag mood. <laughs> hashtag dealing with Deutsche bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah. So I've been sewing into 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 these um, photos, but this time I chose to just use all the needles, no thread, and I had this frame. Um, and the, the frame, I think, was what kind of sparked the idea. I had mm-hmm. this frame that was just very small, and I thought it'd be cool to use this frame for this series. Mm-hmm. So I took the photo out, and the, 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 the photo fit just perfectly on the frame, and then using well, it's the a needle, really small frame. It's a tiny it's frame. Really, yeah, really <laughs> small. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, um, put the needles in in a way that would they would like kind of stand. And then the objective was to use lighting in a way that would make it more like interesting mm. and then not adds dimensions. Right. So, um, what the decision to, uh, needle cause needles are used in both, right? The decision to, to penetrate the, 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 the photo itself with, uh, needles. Like did, did that come from somewhere? Have you seen that done before or was this like something you just thought you'd try out? I've definitely seen it yeah, done before, but I also think like for like, Clothing, um, just fabric is a big part of it's like African or like my own yeah. culture. And yeah. just trying to, I work with a lot of themes of identity. So just trying to combine these two things in a way that kind of progresses my artistic practice forward. Like the first one you showed, for example, that's that's the colors of the, the Kenyan, Kenyan flag. Kenyan. Yeah, I so it's like black, much. white, yeah. green red so that was intentionally done and this one was more just i i thought to to burn through and combine two okay so this one is a well, let me see if i can Kyle get the this. artist statements kind of trying his best this one is a but this one is interesting because okay so what i'm seeing is it looks like two photos one on top of the other it's almost three photos. So crew. three levels of photos, but they're they're distorted and it looks like it's burnt so that you can see through to many layers. So this way the image is, I'd say, distorted in an analog fashion yeah. and then stacked so that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then so there's the bottom a wire layer. Leading. There's a wire lead or, or some something leading through the, the center. Yeah, it's a, it's well, it's touching the two pictures. Okay, so it's both, all three layers are your head. Right. With visa face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the top layer is your face burnt through. Right. So it's a hole and basically framing the other two layers, which 
half of one layer is your face and the other half is also your face but upside down right stitched to the right side up face exactly by the forehead yep <laughs> man is killing it so then you said this one you were just exploring or yeah this one honestly was i had a lighter um but i think the mm-hmm. up the upside down right side up was the more kind of interesting part where mm-hmm. it's just perspective and then sewing them together it's kind of what makes me as a whole individual you know sometimes you see things this way other times you got to see them the other way mm-hmm. and then framing all of it into like where my actual face is supposed to be it's just that's still mm-hmm. me and that's still what identity i guess again mm-hmm. is okay so i mean exploring identity i mean i feel like um as human beings we're always exploring who we are you know whether we're aware of it or not mm-hmm. you know what i mean um and then for uh, artists i think um express themselves and like likewise inadvertently are exploring who they are and their experiences you know whether they're conscious of it or not um is there something that you feel like that you are um with these photos do you feel like there's something that you're uncovering or are you more moving blindly in a direction let's say you know like i feel because there are some people that through their art they are uncovering something that they feel that that they haven't touched as yet or they haven't like been able to access as yet and then there are others that feel like they are they are uh, conscious of what they are in contact with or the person that they do know and they are seeking more to see if there's anything else what do you what do you feel i think it's a combination of the two um I'm a very visual person so sometimes I'll wanna say express emotions I feel in a visual way and then if I'm working in 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 a project say Watson said for example I know this project I wanna just use photo automat taken photos and that's kind of where the starting point and then everything else kind of builds upon that so maybe I have an emotion I wanna like express like overwhelm then knowing that I got to do that on a photo automat then how do I do it in a way that as again is like telling the story and whenever I whenever my viewers seeing my work I never really want to explain to them what they should feel it should mm-hmm. be that they should understand where I'm coming from so that's how I judge is it going to be like effective as a means of like telling a story or not is it going to be something someone will see and like stop like in this world you know we're always scrolling but on the other on the other end of it it's also just me exploring the the limits of what i can do and so yeah it's always like learning i think i don't necessarily have like this skill set nailed down to a t but if i want to tell a story i'll learn what it takes for me to tell that story like sewing i didn't really i won't i wouldn't say i'm good at sewing but if i want to make something and i feel like sewing is the media I want to use so people can like touch it and like maybe feel it and like maybe leave these threads hanging in a way that just looks chaotic then I'll just I'll do that mm-hmm. so I guess short answer to your question is stuff or you don't have to give short answers <laughs> we're on a podcast you can give the long answer <laughs> yeah so long for medium yeah it's 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 a combination of the two but while also allowing myself to just experiment and and learn new things 
But at the end of the day, it's just telling the story and what do I feel or what have I uncovered and how does the viewer kind of think of that. But do you think a lot about, like, how do you balance serving your audience versus telling your story the way that it's authentic and true? Because I feel like that's the usual dilemma of, of a lot of artists, right? Yeah. Like, you know, is it still art if the audience isn't paying attention? Yeah. So how do I express myself in a way that captivates the audience without changing or modifying too much what I have to express to fit what the trends are or what yeah, you like know, are you, is, think, are you thinking about yourself or are you thinking about the audience yeah. when you're making something? Yeah. You know? Mm. I think about both, but primarily I'd, I'd say I think about so if you look at my photography from say when I began and it's actually still all on my Instagram, I never really deleted anything. You could you could see how my style or like my visual style has has changed over time. It's gone from being more like documentary or like portraits to being something more. And I honestly also don't know how I describe my my style of photography because for me it's it's important that my emotion is put into it, and then someone else's emotion is maybe someone someone gets some sort of emotion as well from from seeing it. Mm. So I want to make work that is striking. And so for me, striking is obviously very subjective. But if I think it is like striking, if I think it is something I would like feel something if I saw, like then like that's that's kind of where I'm moving towards. How do I make my work, I guess, more immersive and more not two dimensional as such? So. Maybe the audience doesn't like what I'm doing now. Maybe they prefer what I used to do back in the day. But it's just part of part of the journey. And how long have you been in Berlin? I've been here since December 21. Okay. De- yeah, December 21. December so, 20, December 2020. Like pandemic time, right? Yeah, around the same time as me. And but if you if you lived in in New York, right? I'd imagine New York is an, an inspiring place as well, but in a very different way. I mean, I've been to New York briefly, and um, yeah, I'd imagine that both cities have, yeah, both cities are very inspiring in in their own way. Do you feel like if you had stayed in New York that you would have uh, done this the same way or? Probably not. So, as I said earlier, New York was, so I went to school, studied economics, and a lot of the circles I was in, were people who are trying to say work on Wall Street or just get into like the startup um, industry, and so I feel like if I didn't move to Berlin, I'm not too sure I'd, I'd, I'd kind of consider myself a creative before anything else. And being in Berlin, being surrounded by all these people who are actually doing all all of this, um, a lot of artists, a lot of different you know subcultures, um, allowed me to consider like creativity like my my main thing back in new york it was more i would do it but first and foremost i was like a business development associate like a sales associate and second i was like a photographer yeah i know what you mean i mean yeah i i know what you mean i think i think i also come from a very academic family and and I study engineering and um for a long time I, th- I thought the same thing too that this was um, who I was and and everything else was yeah I don't know like uh, interesting but not necessarily like a primary like 
thing that I could be. And I knew for my parents, um, it was a challenge for them as well, you know. Um, how how did your family feel about uh, like you? I mean, first of all, let me ask: Do you have siblings? I do, I do. Uh, where do you where do you lie in the uh, like oldest, youngest? I'm the oldest of of three. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of three as well. So right. you were supposed to set the example. Yeah, yeah. So you're supposed <laughs> to set the example, right? Yeah. And you come from an academic family, like you're you're leading the pack, mm-hmm. kind of. You know what I mean? I mean, luckily, I tell people this all the time. My, my younger sister, she she um, she went to Oxford. She won a scholarship. So both of us did a, a, a bachelor's in in the Caribbean in university there. And then my sister um, won a scholarship and went to Oxford, and now she's finishing her doctorate or her DPhil at Oxford. So I think she's filled my parents' cup <laughs> as far as like academic achievements go. You know what I mean? She but took even position. <laughs> you know what I mean? She could, she could, you know, she yeah. she filled all those things. I yeah, could talk yeah, about yeah. that. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and then also I I finished my degrees, which I think was a big one because I don't think I could have like not finished my degrees and then said I wanted to do what I um, do now. Um, so that's what I'm asking. How do your family feel? Were they supportive? Were they like supportive but finished the economics degree or, you know? Yeah, I think um, I, I was always, um, I, I was I was good in school um, from when I was a young age. So also being the oldest, I think the pressure on me wasn't like as much as it say was on my younger sister and brother. Um, when I went to the States to, to do economics, yeah, obviously my parents were very happy when I graduated, um, but they didn't really know as much about the creative side of things that I did um, until they, they got to visit Berlin last September. I had an exhibition going on, and this was kind of the first time my parents really understood and like saw like what my artistic like life is like. I think my biggest support system has always been like my siblings. My my brothers are creative as well. My sister, as well. My parents, um, for them, it's I don't know. They, <coughs> they're now into business, and they always wanted like us to kind of end up in business, which is kind of why I guess <coughs> economics came into play. I guess um, as long as I'm, I'm doing well, and mm. as long as at the end of the day I I'm living a comfortable life, my my, my parents are very like supportive of that mm. well, yeah i think that's the whole generational switch right because that generation yeah. i mean back in the day you if you were you had the whole starving artist issue if you wanted to go into the arts you automatically are signing up for a life of a hard life y- you're no never gonna be rich and, yeah, yeah. yeah versus like you know if you go down the academic path you have a surefire career and stuff and i know like i because i did the same thing i followed the academic path i got the career climbed up the career ladder reached where I was and realized, okay, no, this isn't it. I go through that whole long loop to reach here and be like, actually, I just want to take pictures, which is what I, something I said when I was five years old, you know? And But what I love is that my sister, my younger sister, she's 20 now, she saw me do it, she saw my brother do it, and she's like, I'm not going to go to university, which for a Trinidadian child is a big deal. I think like, that's a big, that's a big decision. Massive, yeah, you know? it's massive, you know, because we really, like, there's no question about it. You go to university after school. Yeah. And she's a very intelligent person. So I was real, like, almost proud of her to be like, <laughs> that's, so scary, that's scary. I mean, that's a big, that's a big yeah. um, decision. Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, that, <laughs> that makes me think of, you know, because 
our parents' generation, I mean, you say all the time your parents were hippies, so I yeah, think it's kind of different, yeah. right? For my parents, yeah. I mean, my parents are very academic too. My dad, my dad's a lawyer, my, my mom's an accountant. Um, so for them, academics was the way out, you know, they, they, they grew up very poor and for them, there were no, que- there, there was no question about what we, they had to do. You know, my dad was like the first person in his family to get like a, a, a degree, mm-hmm. you know, and really was, yeah, the first person in the family to, to, to really go in that direction so, so strongly. So it was understood for them or for them, there was no other way, you know what I mean? Um, and even though they definitely had taste for the arts, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. Just like you said, your, your father was a photographer and we did those things. I mean, I see it on, on my mother's side all the time. Like my, I think I get all my creativity from my mother's side. Like my, like they, they, my, my cousins, they all paint. They're all so, they're so, so fantastic at like visual arts in a way that I'm really not. But in the Caribbean in general, like there's just so much talent in terms of like in visual arts and music and dance. Yeah. And I mean, I I just, but it's always been like, it's always been secondary. It's always been secondary. And my cousin, uh, Brendan becoming a photographer, of course he had to go through the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people are like, you know, you sure you want to do this? Cause this is a, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, he really just kind of, um, but I think the, the difference was that I think uh, uh, Brendan was not as academically uh, inclined, mm-hmm. you know, I think so. I think he knew from, from, from an early age that, yeah, this just wasn't for me. And then, and then he mm-hmm. just kind of, and photography being a passion, then I guess it's a... It was just uh, kind of an easy decision. Maybe not easy, but more straightforward, yeah. you know, whereas like, I think I I was, I was good in school I was academically inclined and and so that my mom I mean this pressure is on you my mom's like I have home videos my mom's in my little engineer yeah. you know and then I turn 18 and I'm like I want to do engineering and this is 100% my decision <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> but I think that they just didn't know anything else but it's but yeah. it's in them in a way and if, if they never exercise that muscle then they don't really see it, but I see it, you know, and I see it in the in the family, you know, and in a way they they don't have a yeah, that, that you just can't fault them for not really seeing that. Yeah. And I mean, later, of course, you you get to a certain age and you you do certain things, and then they see you, and they're like, yeah, you're, you're happy, and you do. I mean, I don't think that I could have like not finished my degree and continue. I don't think they would have been a supportive yeah. straight up, you know. I think they would have been very like worried and yeah disapproved i think it would have been a much tougher road um Mm -hmm. for me um but i think that they just they're having having to get degrees in order to like get to just middle class they just thought that that, that was the way that things work and then our generation is like okay there's information you can go on youtube and basically get a degree in anything you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm self-taught you're Mm self-taught you know what i mean so it's just like you there's so much information around us that was just never a thing yeah, for them. Yeah. So then you saying now that your sister is now saying, I'm not even gonna go to university. That's it, yeah. You know? And then and my knee jerk reaction is like, Ooh, you sure you wanna do yeah, that? Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And because I have it in me too, you know. And I, my brother too I was talking to my brother the other day about it and he was like, I really think so I should go to university, you know. And I'm like, that's our parents speaking, because I had the same thought and realistically I kind of wish I didn't go to university. I mean, I think there's a lot of value that I got from you going to university, but I also think that I could have learned. I mean, I I wish I did something different. I mean, I'm happy I did what I did. And I feel like, you know, I'm a real believer in 
um, you know, I come from a Catholic family who grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. right? And there was always a story that stuck with me from, I don't know, it's from the Bible or if it's mm-hmm. just a, a, a story that they tell, you know, but about God giving you five talents and expects mm-hmm. to get back 10, right? Mm-hmm. And I always, I always liked that. And I always thought of myself as there's so many things that I really love doing. And some of them I'm really not good at, <laughs> but mm-hmm. some of them I am good at, you know, and I would really... And I think that it would be so cool, you know, given that I have such a short time on yeah. this earth that I really do all those things as well as I can and fulfill all this potential mm-hmm. that I have. And yeah, maybe that some things suffer, you know, but I think that's a lot more yeah. fulfilling for me. And I think like doing the degree and getting that done really after having like gone through school and being good at school, like I did that, you know. And not wanting to take that further into something that's more, yeah, I don't know, not wanting to take that further. It's okay now because mm-hmm. I kind of did that. And now I'm focusing on something mm-hmm. else. And I want to take this as far as I, I can see that going. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I want to maybe take photography as a hobby or as a medium as far as I think that that goes for me. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that thinking of Zoya not going to university I mean, yeah, as I said, my knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, you sure you want to do that? And I mean, actually, I think statistically, like people who don't go to university still don't make as much money or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that if that generation yeah. says, here's what, I could learn all the things that I really need to know from YouTube and the internet, and it might not be a university degree, but of course you can do courses and you can sign up for like, you know, yeah. small things and you, you can learn from professionals. You can get mentorship from professionals. Yeah. You can teach yourself and do that until you know yeah. better, you know? And if that's that generation, like, is that going to make like, the is that the next generation's like move you know i think that i think like i don't i don't discredit going to university i more mean like i wish i had not gone the route of get it because it's the right thing to do and rather gone down the route of what's the right thing for me to do you know and i see that the new generation my sister's generation they're more on that vibe where they're like i'm not just gonna study something because this is gonna get me paid later on in life but I'm actually going to follow what I'm interested in and build my career in that direction. And then if I realize, okay, I'm not interested in this anymore, then okay, you switch. But they don't have, they don't, like my sister's not about to go and study something mm. because, because her thing used to be, exactly, to study, her yeah. thing used to be, I'm going to study medicine, I'm going to study medicine. And I always told her, I was <laughs> like, I was like, is that because you're actually interested in medicine or? When you grow up in but a then, certain environment where like that the praises only certain things yeah you believe that you, that's you have to pick one of those you have things to pick one of those things know? yeah but then she like did this whole she started working on a yacht on a super yacht and realized she's like i actually quite like this i grew up sailing i love sailing it wouldn't be my pick of job but she's like yeah this is my i like the hierarchies the thing, i like being on a boat yeah. i can see myself building a career here you know why would i go to school exactly then i'm like anyways so that whole yeah. back and forth rant to see <laughs> Yeah, I think in, in hindsight as well, um, for me, mm-hmm. I think getting a, like a bachelor's degree in hindsight is a very formative experience for me. So even outside of academics, this was the first time I was living outside of home um, in a different country. And looking back, what I picked up the most from that experience, I honestly don't remember much about economics. It was just... Mm-hmm getting to experience all these course, different yeah. cultures, um, different like socioeconomic backgrounds. Like I just saw like the world in a very, very new way. And I think that's also influenced my art 
in that I know I can I believe in myself to if I really want to do something I, I know I can learn how to do it and I can do it and that doesn't come from economics it just comes from learning how to learn which mm-hmm. I think uni taught me yeah. and yeah. also taught me how to you know socialize how to network which I think are all very equally important in the arts in yeah understanding people putting That's yourself point, in uncomfortable yeah. situations I think is something uni does bring but it, it not it's not something that only comes from uni it's just mm. life and yeah it's just but like, I see this all the time the fact that they like they sit you down and they give you assignments and then now you have to go and rack your brain to solve an actual problem that in itself is the value of Right, and I think get, getting your brain going, like just yeah. getting your brain in the gear, then gets yeah. you thinking, and that's when you think about all the other things. Because yeah. then, when you you're forced to concentrate about some about anything yeah. for like over such a, st- a sustained period of time, then that just gets your mind working, yeah. and then you automatically then work on everything else. Yeah, and, and it trains you, your brain to approach yeah. things in that manner. And then you, mm-hmm. I feel like the awareness of. Um, yeah, and then you, you, at least my brain went in a ton of different directions. And I had the epiphany, if you want to call it, that, yeah, I really don't want to do this. I want to do something else. Like, I think that came in the middle of doing my bachelor's. And of course, I told my parents, and then they were just like, uh, you know, and it was a whole thing. But the point is that it gets your mind going. And, and then I don't know if it might have taken me longer or I might have needed to have another experience in order to eventually land on on that or, or come to that realization. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also don't know if, if I did my bachelor's say in Kenya, if I'd have the same sort of mm-hmm. like thought, you know. It was a big part of me too was in Kenya, I'm, say, I'm, I'm part of the majority, right? Everyone kind of has my skin color. Mm-hmm. Um, being outside of that was, was quite interesting. Just made me think more globally, made me kind of, I don't know, just open up my mind to how endless the possibilities could mm. be. And I think that's a powerful tool. Yeah, I think the same thing happened to me in UE. I mean, even though UE is at home and everybody definitely doesn't have my skin color, um, but you're still um, in in University of the West Indies. Um, I, I mean, I in Trinidad had my experience as a Trinidadian, right? And then... I mean, I look a little different, so I had that experience growing up. But then I went to university on campus, and my father made a big point. My father also went to UE, but he went to UE in in Barbados, where my sister went to, which is another island in the Caribbean. And he made it a big point that he wanted me to live on campus, even though I I live in Trinidad, because I I, I studied at the Trinidad campus, right? And he, he made a big point of it. He said, you know, like... Um, you know, the university, I mean, he told me something about the word university comes from universal, which means some, 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 but the the point is, is that the experience that you have like on the campus is like the majority of the value that you get from university. So he made a big point of me living on campus, even though I was 40 minutes away by car, you know, and what was really interesting about that, which I did not like taken into account before was that Trinidad is a, a big island, you know, in the Caribbean. And there are three campuses in the Caribbean for this university, one in Trinidad, Barbados, and Jamaica. And so everybody else in the Caribbean uh, has to choose one of these campuses, right? Um, so then I lived on whole with all the other islands. And that 
was something I had never experienced. You know, I, I have in Barbados is a special island to me because I have family there and, and I, I, you know, I've been there a lot. But all the other islands, I had zero contact. So, I mean, of course, I had traveled. But you know what I mean? Personal, like, experiences with, like, local people, you know? Mm-hmm. And living on whole, I got to live with, you know, St. Lucians and Vincentians and Canadians and everyone. And, and all the people that, that looked Caribbean, all the people that didn't look Caribbean, and all those experiences. And I, it was something that I didn't realize until after, but it really made me feel more caribbean or really gave me a much more caribbean perspective because then i yeah experienced life with other people from all around the region who had experiences very different from a trinidadian experience you know and yeah that that really opened me up um culturally or opened up my mind to a lot of different perspectives you know i always thought i I was always an open-minded person and i always was all over Trinidad in terms of, of, of cultural experiences, but then having that additional regional experience of different Caribbean um, islands, I think was absolutely invaluable for me. You know what I mean? And then I didn't go away until I moved to Berlin. I, I never lived away in my life. You know, it was just, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm Trinidadian. You know, it goes, the passport is not the best passport when it's, yeah. Mm. You know? So, <laughs> not so, one of the first world countries. Yeah, yeah. So, so I never lived away, and the only time I ever lived away is when I moved to Berlin. When I, when, when I, you know, uh, things finally came to a head at home, and I had to make a jump, and then, and then made the move to Berlin. And then, by the time I had gotten here, I mean, Europe is kind of the same thing. The it's a ton of of countries just smashed together. So then you're surrounded by a bunch of different nationalities or whatever, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then being in class with people from all over kind of offered the same, you know, kind of multicultural European experience that I think Europeans experience all the time, you know. And I think that was, yeah, that in itself is just, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a, a crazy yeah. experience. Yeah, you know I think I mean? like I had the same thing in university. But what mainly opened my eyes a lot was talking to other people about like their journeys slash their plans forward mm. and understanding what other possibilities <coughs> exist outside of the possibilities that I knew from my upbringing and from my background. So like hearing about right. people, you know what I mean? Like <clears throat> it made me more aware of like the Berlin culture and, and more curious to discover more things like that. So, um, which is also what we do on this podcast. I find like, I feel like exactly. talking to people on this podcast. And that's what we do on this podcast. <laughs> as we try doing this podcast, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Is literally just highlight the shared experiences in exactly. the international because that was community. the whole thing about Berlin, you know. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how much two of you all chatted before you you organized this, but I mean, this you whole really jumped into the cold water, you and... <laughs> yeah. But this whole collective kind of stemmed from being in the Caribbean. It's quite a multicultural experience, you know what I mean, especially in in, in an island like Trinidad, which is a little more multicultural than the rest of the Caribbean, and. Then coming to Berlin is kind of the same thing because all of these artists move here or live here. And then you have this huge uh, melting pot of different cultures and everybody has their own story. So it's kind of the same thing, you know, but there's, there's, there's uh, the thread running through everyone is, is, um, is a little more, uh, well, intangible isn't the word because I guess it's all intangible, but it's not necessarily a cultural thread that runs through everyone. It's more of like a, a, a mindset mm-hmm. um, of, of, of why you chose Berlin or why you want to be here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that is the cultural 
thread that runs through everyone, you know what I mean? Because if you choose to live in Berlin, you know, that you you did so for a reason for the most part, you know what I mean? For sure. And and and, and I think that that's <laughs> it's so crazy, you know what I mean? Because we sit down, we talk to everyone and everyone has a completely different story and everybody but everybody when they talk about Berlin and why they came, it's always the same story and it's so beautiful that a city can so inadvertently attract so many different people that are still like-minded at the same time exactly yeah but let me ask you i mean if you're kenyan and you're living in 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 germany now right do you um do you stay in touch with like uh other people from from your country do you stay in touch with other africans do you like what's your circle in berlin or do you try not to because i know i when i do not like really we we say lime for for mm-hmm. hangout. I don't I don't mm-hmm. really lime with Caribbean people here. And I'm with Jamila, and then there's a handful of others. Um, but I don't really seek it out. Mm-hmm. You know, or is it the same for you? I came, coming to Berlin, I, I didn't know anyone here. Mm-hmm. But the more I've lived here, and like the first few friends I made in Berlin were not African. Um, they're also not say from like cultures I interacted with. I have a few friends from Ireland. I have a few friends from England. But staying in Berlin more and more, um, I realized it's important for me to seek out like other Africans, other Kenyans, because really I think in stories I tell, I really want to tell stories about these people and being able to just hang out with Kenyan people speaking in Swahili. There's a, a level of camaraderie you can get to that you, you can't really achieve with I think it's just something to do with like the language of, of speaking. Mm-hmm. Like when you when you tell a story, I don't know if you guys speak any other languages, but there's a way in which two languages cannot really like express mm-hmm. the same thing in in the same way. Mm-hmm. Not just so, the vocabulary, also just like the the, the non, energy, the non-verbal, right? the energy. It's how you yeah. say yeah. it. You know what I mean? I mean, we have the same thing with like I love to be around my Caribbean people here, just because you, the energy in the room is that it's energy that more. you have yeah, yeah it's a lot more it feels more like well home. more is such a, such a <laughs> big word but we're, you know we're louder and we're more expressive and then yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we say things are much more I guess Europeans consider you, it aggressive almost, you feel a lot you know freer I mean? mm-hmm. and I think that's also parallel with like African nations too yeah. you know what I mean like it's more the mannerisms are more you yeah, know people yeah. are a little more um, uh, uh, I wouldn't say warmer because I would say that I've met a lot of really friendly and and good people here, but I'd say like uh, uh, instantly comfortable or mm-hmm. or or um, yeah, like you 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 you're, like you knew each other for years, even though you yeah. just met, you know, yeah. kind of. Mm-hmm. Which which I think very like, familiar. Yeah, very I think he is very polite. Like you could be very nice and whatever, yeah. but everybody's still very polite. <laughs> but you will meet somebody and Caribbean and within two minutes be like bashing them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, them exactly. Like, within a minute, you're like making fun of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a minute, you're like. But they don't take them. offense to it. But yeah, yeah, it's because it's like a yeah. But um, but it, it, I think it's interesting because <laughs> I feel like there's you've been away from home for a long time, right? I'm curious to know how it was when you first left because I know when I first left the Caribbean, I was also more interested in like. I wasn't interested in finding anybody that was like me or my culture. Like I wasn't interested in exploring new things. And then it took like a while, just in the last three, four years, I would say, I've been more gravitating towards kind of finding a sense of home again. And I kind of see with Kyle as well. I feel like you're still in the beginning of your I've just left home and I'm branching out phase. And I'm curious to see where you are in 10 years if you're like opening a a roti shop, you know? I'm curious too because my (laughs) friend... (laughs) 
<laughs> my friends visited me the other day and cooked for everyone, yeah. right? And it was such a um, it was such it was such a cute trip because they literally came straight from Trinidad to Berlin to visit Kyle. And when they were done at the end of the week, they went back home, which I think is a very un, like only my family does that. You know what I mean? But that's such a you know what I mean? Like yeah. where are we gonna go? We want a trip. Let's go visit Kyle in Berlin and then come back. And they came and and they cooked um, for like my, my my German friends and everything. And I was just like, and they were like, you really can't get any food like this here, boy? Because mm-hmm. I think L- London has a much bigger Caribbean population, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were just like, you really can't get any food? And I was like, nah. And they were like, well, let's do something, you know, let's yeah, open yeah. up a shop. Let's do. And I was just like, you know, that's a real dream. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would love to do that, yeah, you yeah. know. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I just landed here and, and I'm curious to see how it is in, yeah. in a five, ten years as well and you yeah. got here around the same time as me yeah but how was it when you first left kenya <laughs> would you say that you when you first moved arrived to america were you more hanging out with i don't know other africans other diaspora or definitely not i think the way you said it nailed it yeah um when i first moved to to the u.s i think i was there just you know taking all these new things in mm-hmm. and that also translated into who kind of became my first few friends mm-hmm. and um, over time of, of living there as well, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer of, I don't know, east-west home is best. So just not finding home, sticking with people who kind of can identify with just my experience through their own experiences, I think is important mm-hmm. for me. Because, yeah, I will never say not be friends with someone based on where they're from, but, you know. You just connect differently. Right, right. You just connect differently. And... I like I like the mix of that. You know, you gotta be open enough to learn about other people and let other people in, but also not too much that you kind of forget who you are. And I think connecting with Africans, not even necessarily just Kenyans, um, always allows me to kind of remember who I am. It's like yeah, the sharing the food mm. when we cook together, like home food. It's like oh my god, it's been like months since I had like this and. It's, it's it just feels nice it just mm-hmm. feels warming and it just feels like you're part of something bigger mm-hmm. yeah right. food is a big one eh? mm-hmm. what's the food you miss the most everything <laughs> <laughs> I, like it's just like kenya's food scene is very <laughs> yeah very love how pure emotions always come out when you start talking about home food <laughs> yeah so we, we recently made chapati um kenya's food is very interesting because it has a lot of influences um chapati is obviously like an indian influence and I think there's a lot of like similar influences in in Caribbean food. Yeah. Correct me if I'm Absolutely, wrong. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, chapati is big, like pilau, um, which is also just like an kind of Arabic. We have pilau. Did you say pilau? Yeah, pilau. I thought that, I thought we invented pilau. Wait, 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 wait. What is pilau? It's rice, like with like a bunch <laughs> of spices and. Wait, okay, no, but we need to get down <laughs> to like the science science behind no, it. No, like, so how do you how do you start the pot of a pilau? You can you can do it. So, so I'd compare pilau. Okay, let me to like be real. Jollof. Let me be real direct. Do you burn no, no, sugar? No, 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 okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> do you know how to cook it? Do you know how to cook pilau? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay so how do you cook ahead. pilau? So, depends. Do you want to have like vegetarian or nah, traditionally meat. you'd you'd use meat, right? Yeah, yeah. So the way you do it is you obviously have your rice. Um, first of all, you're gonna blend up all these ingredients in a blender. Yeah, mm-hmm. tomatoes. You've got like onions, garlic, and then you're gonna come up with this sort of like seasoning yes seasoning that you will fry so Mm -hmm. after you've boiled this you like let that cook for like a bit Mm -hmm. and then you're gonna add your 
meats into that the meat cooks along with um the concoction you just made mm. and then later you'll add say beef broth and then last comes the rice and then mm. all the spices you want to top it up with like be it cinnamon be it Pilau masala is big as well. Okay, so oh, maybe yeah. pilau is more universal in terms of like the rice and yeah. co- because our pilau is is like you you burn sugar, you burn brown sugar, mm. yeah. and then the meat is is brown. You might also use that they have like syrup brown in. You know, some like my family use both. You know, you burn the mm. sugar and you add like Jama- with Jamaican brown in in the grocery, but it's like a brown ends up being like a brown rice mm. and meat combo but the the the, the key thing is, is that we that we burn our sugar burn the which brown is sugar. like it's a version of because we also have stew chicken where we burn our brown sugar and this is like it's like yeah pilau is like stew chicken plus rice kind of yeah. you know what i mean so maybe pilau is like a but i just thought that pilau was like for me when people ask me what's one of the most caribbean dishes pilau is one of the first things that comes to mind well i mean you know well culturally we uh, African, it I mean, is, in, yeah, in Trinidad. it's real food, so yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I could definitely, I'm, I'm not surprised, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, but I'd imagine that it would be different because yeah. I think, I think if they had like pilau the way we have pilau there, we'd know about it, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 no, food, yeah. food is, food is a crazy, also, yeah, food is, is a big experience, but also realizing how so many different places have similarish foods also just shows how much connected we are as mm-hmm. like a humanity just coming from like it's all these true. different places but pilau in as much as it's not like the same thing the fact that it's called like the same thing means that at some point like there's there was this one dish called pilau that was like transferred all to to exactly. all these different places maintain the name but there was new like ways of making it that were adapted to all these like localities even though the name was maintained. And I think that's, exactly. that's, that's crazy. And as I would say, shout out India. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine, like, curry is everywhere. everywhere. And everybody loves it. Yeah. And everybody has their own curry, whatever. Yeah. And, like, they just, they just nailed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's exactly what you said. It, it kind of brings it all together. It's, that yeah. we all came from, you know, the same place in a lot, in a lot of ways mm. you know what i mean and some dude like <laughs> went to an island was like you're not know do pilau and they're like what <laughs> you know <laughs> and then hundreds of years later oh, how long? you know what i mean mm. but that's crazy but food is a big one of course yeah. can you cook yes i course, think right? i can cook yeah yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. so. the, the problem actually here is um and another reason why i, th- I want to hang out with like a lot more kenyans is just finding the ingredients to yeah, actually yeah. Make yeah. Like, the way and on, you only find these places through other people who mm-hmm. may know about these places. Well, we just Literally. had that the other day. We were because we did this like we um, collaboration with Gather, who was on the podcast last, and we were trying to find goat. And we we're like, where on earth? If we, she was hunting so we, they, all she flew over in there. a chef from London, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, a chef, her parents are Jamaican. She's a English Jamaican, and she she was, came to do curry goat, right? Mm-hmm. And then she landed here, and she was like, "I right, where's the goat?" And then she was talking to Ella, who's Australian living in Berlin and she's like you know I have no idea where to get good so she, she asked her and she's like you know I really don't know where to get good you know yeah, yeah. and she ended up just asking in the group in the, the trainees in, in, in Berlin group you know where's good literally, all literally the people sent us like a whole list of like this is where you can get it fresh this is where it's frozen <laughs> this is where you can get it if that place runs out and I was like cool 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 yeah, you but it's true. Fish next exactly. I think they mm-hmm. said it. I think Marie, the same chef, she was mm-hmm. saying that like you could get it, but it's not quite the same yeah. thing. Oh. 
whatever. But yeah, that's such a big one. Finding the ingredients. (laughs) Weirdly, the Asian supermarket is usually the answer. The Asians. They yeah, just right. have it all. They secretly <laughs> taught everybody how to cook, you know, and then they go around and start really? the groceries, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, I actually, ha- I mean, I don't mean to cut this short, mm-hmm. but I do have a, a gig. Um, but Ian, Ian, thank God. <laughs> you know, Ian, yeah, you're right. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. No, thanks for yeah. Tell us what's next. When is your next exhibition? When next can we see your work? And we will uh, post your, your pictures with your permission mm-hmm. um, when we when we do this post so people can follow along yeah. with what we said mm-hmm. in the pictures. But tell us what's next for... Do, do you go by your, your name? My Instagram is Shadowdust. Mm-hmm. That's my like username. Um, a lot of people know me as that too, which is weird. But my, my actual name is Ian Wainaina. And um, next, um, I might do an exhibition um on the 14th of july maybe in 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 paris but that's still in the works but i also want to do something before the summer ends in berlin mm-hmm. still haven't like begun like planning for that but yeah i really want to move as, again into just like installation like, like how do you see photography as not just a two-dimensional like visual art mm-hmm. so and yeah that's also like learning as well you know just how can i i have this idea in mind how can i like make it how who do i need to collaborate with to mm. like bring this to fruition like do i need a carpenter to like do this and that do i need to but yeah my whole thing is i think and this is the journey i'm on right now is um yeah how do i tell my stories better and how do i create a more immersive experience while staying true to yeah just that like visual like love for photography so mm. i think that's where my mind is at at the moment really just expanding my storytelling learning how to like do video how to you know just do all this other going things, into the mixed media that's right, right. Yeah, that's very yeah, exciting yeah, nice. and how well, to experience the moment that you've captured or you try to capture how can someone else experience that you know yeah. in more than just see it. in multiple dimensions you know? exactly yeah. yeah exactly nice well we'll definitely stay tuned for any upcoming exhibitions exactly yeah they'll definitely be on my socials so yeah exactly great please come cool. through thanks yeah. so much yeah well thank you for coming yeah thanks for having me <laughs> ciao guys ciao, ciao.